everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Creep It Real Horrorcast. And, uh, yeah, as uh, you guys probably know, I am Lunchbox, and you are... I'm Meg. Hey, Meg, how you doing? Oh, just ducky. Yeah, ducky's a good word. I like ducky. Is ducky a good word? I like ducky. Well, uh, so, this was your pick, and, uh, this movie was totally ducky. I don't think ducky's the word for it. <laughs> Uh, batshit crazy? Is that, does that work? This was bonkers, dude. Big, big old bag of bonkers. There was, there was a mix, there was, it was just, there was a lot happening. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of, I want to say there was a lot going on, but the reality of it is, is there really wasn't. It was a weird mix. So, uh, if you guys are wondering what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, this week was my pick, um. This was this has been highly recommended to me over and over and over again by my podcast partner on my other show. Uh, quick plug: Meg and John Ramble on. <coughs> Cough. Um, That's Meg and John Ramble on. It's not just go listen to them; they're hilarious. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was just thinking about one of the episodes that we recorded. Okay, weeks ago. come on, let's go. Anyway, fine. But anyway, John, my podcast partner on my other show, had actually recommended to me Mandy. Which came out last year. It's a Nicolas Cage movie that came out the back half of last year. I think it was probably last fall. Um, and finally, I just said, screw it. Like, this was my pick this week. And I was like, well, let's, let's just watch this one. Because, like, John would not stop talking about it. So I was like, fine, I'll finally get well, around to watch it. John really doesn't stop talking about most things anyway. So it's like, once he gets on that track, it's just... Zing! Yes. He's gone. So, yeah. but, uh, yeah, and I've always, uh, came across this one, too, and just never really, uh, it just never really popped up for me, and, or I always kind of put it to the side, so I was kind of happy that you, uh, decided yeah, to, to go for this one. This one's kind of an odd duck, because it didn't really have much in the way of a theatrical release. Um, it was very, very limited. It had a budget of $6 million. It only brought in $1.4 million from its box office simply because it was a Shudder release. Yeah. And if you guys don't know what Shudder is, Shudder is the uh, horror arm of the AMC group. So um, it's a subscription horror movie service. If you don't have it, there's not a ton of content up there. It's not nearly as diverse or as um, loaded as, say, like Netflix. But if you really like horror movies, there's a lot of... Yeah. real oddball off the wall stuff so it's worth it um and i kind of feel like if you it's a type of thing where the the horror community needs to you know at least subscribe to it so and you get more yeah and, and yeah because the more you put into it the more you get out of it yep. and um and shutter i mean they're doing a lot of cool content from like uh one thing that i'm like super excited about is they're they're doing a whole new uh, creep show series with Greg Nicotero at the helm of the the mm-hmm. production. So I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, they so. also so this um while they do a lot of well Shutter does a lot of great stuff in curating existing content. They also create a lot of their own. And last year, Mandy, the movie Mandy, was one of those things. It was written and directed by Panos Cosmatos. Um, it stars Nicolas Cage, Andrew Riseborough, and Linus Roach. Uh, it was fucking bonkers again. Like, it hurt my eyes the way that the lighting and the colors and it it was like equal parts like 
Grindhouse Theater and LSD Nightmare. Mm-hmm. I think. And, uh, yeah, that's what this movie is really based on, is it's the LSD Nightmare. So, um, uh, before we uh, really jump into this whole thing, I got myself uh, drinking my Dead Guy Rogue beer, and it's tasty as hell. And I took it out of the can. It's in the glass. <gasps> I classed it up. And you it's in my, my Star Wars Lando Calrissian glass. You franched it up. It's delicious. I, I'm so happy right now. So, we're going to... And it's an appropriate <laughs> choice, considering... Dead how, Guy Rogue. It's How this fantastic. movie went. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this shit is bananas. Uh, B a n a n a s. If uh, you don't mind, uh, like you said that you like you were having a hard time. I did uh, with, I, with this, so I mean, you kind of held off. But I didn't take a lot of notes. I will admit that because I think I spent most of the hour and twenty or the uh, hundred and twenty minute runtime scratching my head, going, "What the fuck am I watching?" Yeah, you you definitely had a lot of WTF moments going on, <laughs> and I get, and I I would look what? over I'm like, "What am I watching? <laughs> what the fuck is even yeah. on my TV right now?" So it didn't make it just it just it was there was some things. Yeah. Go ahead now. uh... As this movie went on, the the best way to describe it in my for for me is it felt like I was watching a Tool song. It was a two hour Tool song. Yes, and that's not shy for what Tool really does. Um, no, but, if anything, it's it's coming up a little short for what Tool <laughs> usually does. So, but it, I mean, if you've ever listened to a Tool song, it starts off extremely slow and beautiful and it just everything uh, about it and then it just picks up to this big crescendo and then it, it just it kind of goes on off the rail so it felt like a tool song all in all um probably one of my favorite things about this movie is Nicolas Cage like he absolutely killed it on this uh film like he held it in for his uh you know the serious acting but then when he started going you know full cage he let it out and it didn't feel like a uh like a like a chintzy kind of acting like he really laid in that acting uh hard and and it, and it sold and it, it was believable I agree. he really went for yeah. it he really um he leaned into his character uh red was the name of the character yes he really leaned into the tone of it and he really you could tell this was a role that he enjoyed and a role that he really sunk his teeth into um i wouldn't necessarily say he went full cage because when i think of that i think of um some of the hokier stuff that he's done, like some of the real goofy, like you know, kick ass, like when he was in kick ass, thinking, like, like kick ass or face off or uh, yeah, like I didn't get full cage out of this one. I think this was more. Uh, he was taking things very very seriously, and he wasn't. But there, there being were, a parody of himself. There were moments where it was just like, oh, there it is. Like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> nice to see you again there, Cage there, old boy. So, but, um, all right. So, but let's, uh, like, I wanted to kind of start this one off just because it was really, um, it really, it made a meal out of this thing. It so, was, it was hard to follow. Let's start. Uh, for me, anyway. Well, it wasn't hard to follow for me, but it was like, you really had to pay attention to it. 
and you had to be really involved in order to to get going. Yeah, so, if you got up for a pee break and you came back <laughs> you without pausing it, you yeah. weren't gonna have. I think it was I think the last time that I felt this much of an art house film like styled film um, was like Punch Drunk Love. Like you could follow the story of Punch Drunk Love, but it was very kind of like art house where it, it just. I don't know, like, they, they try to make more of a uh, an imagery than it was. And I think there was a lot of, the. this was definitely very heavily focused on the look of the film. Um, the script was fine. There wasn't necessarily anything wrong with the story itself. Well, the great thing is, like, I mean, the script was fine, but it's like there was, there's barely any dialogue. And that was one of the cool things yeah. about Nicolas Cage is a lot of the acting, you had to get from his facial expressions or his eyes, and it sold perfectly that was and that was pretty much every actor in this was in the dialogue that there was it was either kind of awkward and uncomfortable um andrea riseborough's character mandy uh she played nicholas cage's wife was really she was very awkward she was really not the most social of butterflies and honestly she wasn't even very likable so I don't understand. There was just the nothing appeal. that was yeah. There was nothing that was giving off an aura of yeah, like, look, of she was special. Yeah, and, and the look of her too was pretty milk toast. Like she just yeah. had this long curtain of brown hair. She was pale. Yeah, she was skinny, and it was just one of those where you look at her and you're like, I don't fucking get it, but okay. Yeah. I mean, Red's in love with you, so and that's what counts. But I'm also just sort of yeah. like, why were you? You, there's nothing special about you. Yeah. So uh, the the premise of the movie is that um, Red is a lumberjack, and he lives out in the woods with his wife Mandy. Um, Mandy works at a convenience store that's kind of up the road, and as she's walking to work one day, she gets passed by uh, this little convoy. Uh, it's like a you know little. No, it wasn't a convoy. It was just a van. It was well, a was, van full well, of no, there was like a it was a van and, and, and a and a car. So it was a little. Oh, okay, it was a couple. Yeah. So it was it was a couple. Um, and uh, Jeremiah, the leader of this group, who was a bullfrog. He was a bullfrog. Um, he definitely uh, he caught a glimpse of her and automatically was like, "I need to have her." He ends up kidnapping her, and that's where this whole revenge story yeah. really spawns, you know, it, to, you know, gets kicking. It just, I mean, it takes place in the early 80s, but the movie itself is pretty 70s feel about it, which is why I said it was yeah. kind of a mix of, like, Grindhouse and yeah. LSD nightmare. Um, but Jeremiah is the leader of a Jesus hippie cult called Children of the New Dawn, Um and I'm looking at the plot summary on Wikipedia, and it says that Jeremiah was struck by Mandy's beauty, but I was like, she's not very pretty, but maybe it was something I didn't get. Well, what's hilarious is that the actress is actually a beautiful girl, yeah. but they kind of uglied her up a little. Like, they, they really stripped her down, no makeup, and just... Yeah, yeah, like, just, like no well, conditioner It's not, to, hair it's not no, to say that you have to wear no. makeup or do your hair to be pretty, because that's not the thing at all, but it's like they gave her, like, the stringy brown wig of, like, fluff hair and, I don't know. 
don't yeah. know. She just... It, I didn't see the appeal, but apparently this guy saw her. But when we get into when he actually is have, is speaking to her after she was taken, like, he says that... He, he says something along the lines of feeling like they had known each other before and, like, it was, like, a past life kind of thing. Yeah. And, like, they were reconnecting or something like that. And I was just like, okay, bro. Well, and that's where, because Jeremiah is in this realm of God has spoken to him and said that he is on this other, like, whole other level, um, on this other plane of existence than any other human being and he is the most righteous he has this holier than thou oh for sure aspect of him and this cult that he's running with the uh, you know children of the new dawn they they are buying it hook line and sinker and they are they're praising him as as a god himself so it's got a very um charles manson uh, yeah very, uh kind of aspect very or, manson uh, family l ron hubbard kind of deal so it's a it plays into that you well, know cult you, aspect but what, you know. i found what you, when you had explained it to told me about um linus roach the guy that played jeremiah Sands, yes he's actually in real life yep. a member of a cult called light next and i thought that was an interesting casting choice and i wonder if that was on purpose or not i don't know and i, and I mean i've seen uh linus roach in uh you know other films and great actor and it's and the that was the first i've ever heard of the enlightened next and i tried looking up uh information on them and i think they've disbanded by now uh i think it was 2013 was uh, but at they, one point he was yeah. and i just thought it was interesting i was like oh that's a really neat um i guess character point to actually have an actor that was in a cult so he i feel like he would know the mannerisms of a cult leader better than if they just I mean, the only other person they could have cast was maybe Scientologist to really nail it. Yeah. But they uh, they did a great job of that. Yeah. Um, and and uh, Linus, I mean, he uh, he played Jeremiah beautifully because Jeremiah was you equally as elegant and charismatic on top of. This dude is fucking annoying yeah. because you can just see that. And he's a total diva too. Yes, but it's just that I'm holier than thou, Beyonce level of. Just like, like he was laying in his bed and he. Not to say that Beyonce is a complete holier than thou, but it's uh, just that complete diva. I am untouchable. Yeah, I'm on this whole another plane. I don't want to talk about Beyonce. Anyways. Like Beyonce. But, but he's laying yeah. there in his bunk, and um, one of his disciples, I guess for lack of a better term, comes in and is talking to him, and this was after they had seen Mandy, and he's talking about how, you know, he needs this girl, and they have to get this girl, and then he's complaining about, like, how he wasn't feeling well, and he was just making this big dramatic thing about having a headache or something like that, and he's yeah. just laying like... What a fucking puss! It's it's like man up and take some Advil. He's he's acting like a rich person that actually doesn't have very much money. Like it's just very bare bones. But he just act like I'm. I need my servants. Mm-hmm. Where's my hand cream? Yeah, I need my hand cream. Just, and then he smacks somebody because they don't have the hand cream. And then uh, he has Lucy, yeah. who is I guess his fuck doll. Yeah, pretty much. I don't. So, um, I wanted to kind of go through this movie and break it. Like I said before, go kind of front to back on this one, just because it's a lot to kind of go over instead of our normal kind of 
hey, how you doing? Conversation. Conversation. Um, I so, mean, if you want. <laughs> and we're gonna. So, uh, starting off, one of my f- uh, fun facts for this movie, which I, when I kind of came across it was really cool, was in the opening of the movie, there's a, um, a scroll that kind of pops up. It says, um, let's see, boom, So it says, uh, when I die, bury me deep, lay two speakers by my feet, put, put some uh, headphones on my head and rock and roll me when I'm dead. That was the, these were actual last words of a convicted murderer in Texas. Nice. Yeah. Uh, his name was uh, Douglas Roberts. Um, it was uh, in 2005, he ended up uh, getting completely drugged out of his mind. He ended up uh, hijacking a car and then murdering the person that he hijacked. Um, he, and like I said, he ended up uh, uh, getting, you know, getting well, off. It was, it was Texas, yeah. so. so. But those were actual his actual last words before they pulled the plug on him. Poetic. Yeah. So I was like, that's that's kind of cool. I mean, in a weird, morbid kind of way. Um, but uh, the movie is really built in, it's almost like a like a story. Or, I mean, obviously it's a story. I'm not a total nimrod. But um, You mean it was built in chapters, like a book? Yes. Is that where you're going yeah. with Yeah, and like, so like the first chapter is Shadows of the Mountains, and that's where we meet Red and Mandy and kind of get a little bit of a an awkward backstory of sorts. You don't really get a backstory. Um, you just get to know them as a couple, kind of. Well, because Red, he's that man's man, and Mandy is kind of the nerd. Uh, She's also like that wafy ingenue type, too, where yeah. she doesn't, I don't know, she doesn't have a lot there. Well, I mean, like, so Red comes home from, you know, cutting down trees in the in the woods, and... Um, and he asked her, oh, how was your day? And she's like, oh, I read that big astronomy book. And so they just start talking about planets and, um, you know, just what their favorite planets are. And it doesn't really seem like it has any kind of meat to, well, the, to it doesn't the conversation. Have anything, it doesn't have anything to do with anything, but you kind of get the sense that Mandy's kind of an oddball. Yeah. She doesn't really fit, fit in with the crowd and, like... Red loves her, so even though that's not really his bag, because he is, like you said, he's kind of like a manly man, that um, that's his way of trying to find, keep that common ground with his wife, and, like, he's very devoted to her, and he loves her to death, so it's like, um, it's like, alright, I'll listen to whatever your interests are, and her interests are just kind of all over the place. Yeah, and then, like, later on, uh, Red and Mandy are laying down, uh, kind of about to to call it a day, and she starts to talk about how, uh, bat, you know, when she was a child, her dad uh, brought this, had a bag and a and a crowbar. She was talking about how she used to love the starlings. Yeah, um, which is when a bird. she was a kid. I would hope our audience knew. I'm what just that was. restating it. I'm just. It's a very small yeah, blackbird. Yes. Very much, yes. Um, she used to love the starlings growing up and they, but they would go into this fruit tree that her dad had and would, they really were kind of pests on this fruit tree. So they were ruining it. So his dad one day, her dad one day, round them all up in a bag and, um, it was the babies. I think he he got Mm -hmm. all the babies and Mandy was playing with a bunch of her friends 
and he's got a crowbar in one hand and a bag of baby birds in the other and he's like I'm gonna show you how to kill these things and she's just describing this horrific way of like it's like her friends one by one took turns like smashing the baby birds so that they were in the ground and then when it came to her turn she like dropped the crowbar and ran away and I was just like why the fuck is she telling this story this has no bearing on anything this has nothing to do with anything she's just telling a random horrific story about how her dad was making her and her friends kill baby birds for funsies yeah and I was really I was like okay well this has to kind of come back it did it at some point I'm like all right yeah I mean, it wasn't really I much mean, it, like the only thing you could tie it back to was her death scene where she's put in a bag and lit on fire no nah, it's still that you're but the bag's really, the only thing yeah, I'm stretching it I yeah know. you're stretching it hard um, I mean, if if Jeremiah hit her with you know and beat her with a crowbar, then that'd be one thing. But it's no, it's, it was uh, just the baby birds were in a bag, no. and then she was in a bag, and that was about it. So, the movie starts off extremely slow, and then we have a kind of a couple of like off off placed conversations. To try and set up these characters, and it's like, okay, well, now it's a little, I guess. little slow, little slow, little slow, and then that's when you see her walking, and a lot of this is a, there's a lot of art house cut shots and, and beautiful lighting. I'm wondering if, going back to that, I'm wondering if she wasn't having her Clarice Silence of the Lambs moment. Like, remember when, in Silence of the Lambs, when Hannibal Lecter had Clarice tell a story from her childhood and she was talking about the lambs screaming on the farm. Possibly. I mean... I just... Clarice Starling, Starlings, I don't know. My brain is making these little uh, connections. Well, that, that would actually be a really good connection. But like I'm just sort of... like yeah. It's sort of reminiscent of that yeah. where, like, she, Clarice tried... That story didn't really have anything to do with anything in that either, but I just thought it was like, oh, she tried to make her way with one of the lambs. I'm, like, wondering if that was Mandy having her random... Clarice. That's that would be a good, good little. That's the only thing I can. Nod. I mean, it kind of, I can compare that to. Yeah. I don't know. My hey. brain just went off on a track. Uh, I'll I'll take it. You'll allow I'll, it. I'll, I'll allow it. Okay, it's on the you. table. But um, so from there, after uh, just it felt like forever getting into the movie. You see Mandy walking to work, and then that's when you see the children of the new dawn drive by her, and they have that. Jeremiah connection. And Jeremiah looked so bored. Yeah. In that. He's in the passenger seat and he just looks so not into life. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, well, I think almost every character except for the two kind of rednecky hillbilly characters that were a part of the Children of the New Dawn, I didn't get, get their names, but um, they were the only ones that really like smiled or had a really good time at, at what they were doing. But like everybody was, I'm like, you guys are so fucking morose. Life's not Every, that bad. Everybody. Or bored. Everybody were, was like, looked that way. And the one thing that I It was I like a felt, Calvin Klein ad from the mid nineties. Yeah, there was one, uh, part that before, uh, okay. So before the transition into the children of the new dawn chapter, um, there was a scene where red and Mandy, are uh, by uh, they're kind of out, outside, kind of camping of sorts, and the uh, red sitting by the fire. Well, the way he's sitting, he can like see just over the fire flame or you know the flame. And Mandy is, I guess, coming out of the water uh, from swimming or something. Uh, but she's coming up, she's walking up, and you could just see her kind of coming up over the flame. And later on, that 
connects with her death. Yeah. And that that was a cool little imagery. It, but that's the, more foreshadow than just about anything else we yes. got in this movie. But the creepy thing that I felt uh, for Mandy was the way she just stared into the camera. And that was her the whole movie. Like she didn't look at people; she stared it, into it them. It just burned a, like a hole right into your soul. Like it was crazy. It had a, a really eerie feeling to it. But just that that imagery of the you know just the fire and red, seeing it from just where he was at, and then seeing Mandy there. It was a lot of. Uh, it, it had a really cool foreshadowing once you got to that point. Mm-hmm. If you were really paying attention to what that was, what was happening. Um, but once we get into the Children of the New Dawn, um, as you mentioned, you have Brother Swan, who is kind of the uh, the right hand man. Yeah, the number two. The number two. Um, he is called into Jeremiah's bunk, uh, and Jeremiah says, "I need to have that girl that we saw, um, and he needs to uh, kind of." He needs to get the best, uh, kind of the best people on it to make sure it gets done. And right, which is why he called him Brother Swan. Yes. Well, he hands Brother Swan a um, kind of this big, like, whistle or, like, a flute. Almost like something out of, like, it was Zelda. A, no, it was a fucking dog whistle, <laughs> pretty big, much, to call it this. It was a big whistle, yeah. The zombie fucking biker gang. Yes, and so, okay. Reasons. Yeah, so what ends up happening is Brother Swan goes out with uh, some of the other group of Children of the New Dawn, and he blows the whistle, and then you can hear, like, it takes a little bit of time, but then you hear motorcycles in the background, they, they kind of pull up. Well, it turns out that this motorcycle group, uh, they're actually later on called the Black Skull. They are this crazy-ass Hellraiser <laughs> biker gang. And it's, it was just one of those, like, the fuck is happening? Where did you guys... How did Jeremiah well, get there in was this? No, well, because bef- prior to the dog whistle... There was no mention of any of them. No. I mean, I think Jeremiah mentioned something right as he was giving the whistle to Brother Swan. But, like, where the fuck did they come from? Yeah, it was such a crazy ass, like, and that, like, and when we watched the trailer, you see a little, a couple of glimpses of uh, the Black Skull, and you're, I was like, holy shit, I'm in. Because I really love the Cenobites and Hellraiser, and these guys, like, there's a guy that's got, like, he's kind of like a pinhead of sorts but he's got nails like covering his entire body one of them had a blade for a dick yeah and yeah no if you think i'm kidding not kidding it was there he was watching porn he had full erection and it was a blade where his penis ought to have been yeah and then there was one that uh kind of looked like something out of Cirque du Soleil very lanky almost like I had like a a creepy baby doll mask uh, but it would look like it was melted um they looked really nuts but um Jeremiah when he tells Brother Swan to call them he also mentions that uh you know in order to get blood they need to give blood so they need to kind of have a sacrifice and there's this fat kid that's in the group that's kind of worthless so he they just said Go ahead and give it give it to them. So later on, they get Brother Swan out there, and he, and he, you see the biker gang show up, 
and Brother Swan hands one of the bikers a jar, and the dude just starts downing whatever liquid it is was is in there. Well, it comes to find out that it's a big ass jar of concentrated LSD. Yeah, it's like a quart sized mason jar. And this guy is downing it like it's Gatorade, and he's you know, <laughs> he's it's half time. He's quenching his thirst. Um, so. Well, because first from perspective, um, he's chugging basically a quart-sized mason jar of liquid LSD, but later on in the movie, Red finds, like, a half-empty version of that jar. It's, like, this gross sort of gray, muddy, watery-colored sort of liquid, but he he just sticks his finger in and puts a little bit on his tongue, and he gets, like, punched in the face and almost immediately starts hallucinating. So that's how strong this is, and these guys are just chugging it back like a hot day. So... What I kind of uh, came across and, and, and figured out was that this biker gang is not a demonic biker gang at all. They have just taken so much LSD that they are on this they, – they have become a different breed of creature. They have, They're on a forever ass. Yeah, right? it's like they are – they basically became their own version of Cenobites, but – all from yeah, but it's drug LSD. In, it's drug induced. It's <laughs> so, not like they opened up a puzzle box. No, but that's that's what I uh, it had that uh, Hellraiser vibe where you blow the whistle, they they show up, and then um, do you open the box? Yeah, pr- pretty much. And these guys, they the one thing that I kind of wish because they were really trying to work on the visual for this movie. I actually wish that you could actually see them. A whole lot more, and one of the, I, I kind of missed that. One of the biggest problems I had with this movie was uh, the lighting, the colorization, and uh, and just the general look of the film. Um, when it was daylight out and you could see what was going on, it was very gritty, 70s feel, like a 70s horror movie feel. But when it was nighttime... There was a lot of filters being used. There was a lot of different colored lights being used. There was a lot of pinks and neon greens and reds. And um, I don't know if it was to give it sort of like a 70s jalo feel or what, but it hurt my eyes real bad. Like, it wasn't enjoyable at all because of the way it was being lit. And uh, I think that took a lot away from the rest of the movie because you couldn't see the details on the biker gang like you were just saying like you could kind of make out that one guy had some spikes or nails or something hammered into him but you didn't really get the full look as much um like and then there was the scene when mandy had been captured and jeremiah is offering himself up to her and he he's naked he opens up his robe and it is a full frontal penis scene you see all the penis but you don't get a good look at the room or you don't even really get a good look or get the overall vibe of how sinister and dangerous could be because the lights were so bad the lighting in this movie was awful well the yeah i mean and i think what they were trying to do for that scene was more of of you being in mandy's position and only being only focusing on what was actually needed in the scene it's like yeah you could tell that you were in a room but it's like you only needed to focus on the 
the characters that were there. So I, that scene, I was actually okay with it. If it but was a just, lot of it, if it was, was just sick. that scene, I could probably go along with it. But it was the Zack Snyder slow mo, J.J. Abrams lens flare. It was too much. Over too long of a it, period. Yeah. It was awful. And and they focused on a lot of using those. It, it was like a it, like being in a, a really dark room and then uh, opening up a flare, and you just hold it up and it's like you see it's just all bl- uh, black, kind of around, and then you just have this big you know ball of light, and they used the, that a lot and in I, this movie. Yeah, and I mean I can get the argument where it's like oh it has to do with mood, meh, whatever. But it's, it doesn't, it's art house. It doesn't it matter if it's meant to deal with, like, certain moods or what have you. Like, it's poorly done. It looks like shit, and it hurt my eyes. Uh, it did not look like shit. It just hurt your eyes. That was the, that was it, the difference, is it, it was actually done extremely well. In, it, my, in, my, in my opinion, it was done extremely well. It was... It probably could have been tweaked a little bit differently so that it wasn't so... Because of that factor where there was a lot going on and you didn't really get to see a whole lot because of all that artistic and I think, filters. I think artistic flair has its place yeah. and that's perfectly fine, but where is the line when it suddenly just becomes pretentious and overdone? And I think yes. Cosmatos really, he, he didn't just cross the line. He like, he also like dumped gasoline on it, lit a match and threw it away behind him as he was walking away from the line because it was, just too much and i'll agree to disagree with you on that one i think i think it looked like shit you think it looked fine and that's okay but i mean would you not agree that it was overdone there was just too much of it there the whole movie was it had that look so i mean it unless it was daytime and then it was everything was normal or or if he he was in a lit room of, of sorts so i mean yeah there was a lot of of that going on but i felt that it it was because I could understand that, okay, this is a art house film. That's just the way he's painted his canvas. Like, that's... That's fine. I just have a tendency to roll my eyes at stuff like that all the time. Well, that's like, why we don't is... like Tool that much because it's I... very pretentious. Very, I'm I mean, like, get I over lo- yourselves. I love Tool for the creativity and the way that they can create music to make it give you that kind of... Uh, ambiance and the just make just feeling out the room however holy shit like I need something that's got a little bit more of a, a, a you know kick to it and, and stuff so and it's in the case of yeah and I agree with you on the tool thing but I, I mean in the case of this that's why this movie is comparable to a tool song but like the thing is is that the Mandy story and the script and everything else that goes along with the actual like meat and potatoes of the movie is great but then they go and they fuck it up with it has to look a certain way and it's edited a certain way and it's all a technical shit that that just it pulls away from what is ultimately a really good revenge story it's just really hard to watch yeah and follow so and 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 because it takes so long it does it does have that aspect um, that stuff doesn't bother me. Like that doesn't bother me though. If it takes a minute to get into you, the action, no. But you did, like you just said, the way that it, the way that it was filmed, and the way that they did everything. They a lot of those filler parts was all that art house style where they're trying to make some type of. No, I'm of just visual. Trying, no, I'm just trying to say that like 
movies that take a little bit to get into a story generally don't bother oh, me. Oh, no. This one took its time. It made a meal out of it. Yeah. It had breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it... Before it even yeah. before it even got to the action, yeah. it was... So, I mean, uh, because you got... Um, yeah, but once you got into the action, though, it didn't feel like it was... The action didn't feel like it was rushed. Like, when Red finally was able to go and take his revenge, like... It felt like there was an okay kind of pacing to yeah. it, although he got his ass kicked a lot. Like, yeah. this was not one-sided. Like, he had to really work at it. Well, and that's that was the one thing that, that amped it up for me was everything with Red. Everything else in the movie, I, it just felt, it was just so sluggish but that f- and, and held. But then once Red started getting into it, I bought in hook, line, and sinker because it, it, he just carried But this along. was like, this was, Mandy was like two different movies spliced together. Kind of like how Jaws was. Like in the first part of the movie, it was one thing, but the second half of the movie, it was yeah. something else. It was the same thing here. Like the first part of the movie, I would probably say pretty close to the first full half. We're kind of just following Mandy around and we're getting the idea, okay, she's in danger with the cult and all this other stuff. Red wasn't around much. Like, he kind of just showed up, and it was like, oh, this is her man. He was in a couple scenes, but it was really very Mandy-heavy. And then the second half of the movie happened, and it's, like, all Red's movie, but it's all, like, macho, guns blazing. Like, it took on a completely different tone. It took on a totally different pacing. It was... That was probably one of the more jarring parts of it, because it's, like, this lackadaisical, like, la, 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 for about the first hour. And then the second hour, it's, like, balls to the wall. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Which is, again, it's... Uh, it's I, I didn't see where that was a huge part of it. It was just a lot of the, the empty calories that you took in in between all that just to get to those points. Um, but, but, like, the... <laughs> Yeah, so, all right, so, but going back to, um, so after the the Black Skull go and they knock Red out and they kidnap Mandy in this crazy ass, They like, didn't even kidnap Mandy. They just moved into their house. Oh, that's right. Because kidnapping they would, would no, imply uh, that they removed. Brother Swan did. Right, but kidnapping implies that they removed Mandy from her own premises. They didn't. The cult just, like, the Black, uh, the... The Black Skull Gang just sort of like held the fort down till the Children of the Dawn got there, or the Children of the Dawn, whatever the fuck, the cult got there. Yeah. Um, and then the gang took off, but the cult just sort of like made themselves at home once they got there. Which is, which is, I, I was totally, I mean, it it really so sold was, on the crazy. She, so Mandy wasn't kidnapped. She just moved. They just, just moved, moved in. in. Yeah. Um, well, the, well, she was definitely taken uh, because they they tied her to a chair. And they took that uh, concentrated LSD and dripped it into her eye. And so she was tripping balls. And then... Well, then there was like a big hornet sting. Big ass hornet. And so it, it stung her. And she went on this crazy ass trip and then thrown in front of Jeremiah. And one of the coolest things that tripped me out that I... Um, so Jeremiah, his face is, is right up on the camera. So, I mean, it's really close. You can see his eyes, and he's fucking, he's on another level, too. He's dilated like a mother. But his face and Mandy's face morph yeah. in and out. And I was like, that was a really cool effect. Felt and uh, it had a, 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 the effect was, 
Uh, on top of that, they layered in, it almost felt like a 3D, like your old school red and blue 3D effect where um, you could see where uh, Jeremiah would move and you could see his body there, but then there would be like a blue trail that followed after and it just kind of... It's an acid it, it, trail. Yeah, it was so cool. So I was like, that was a... Re- I, I enjoyed that scene because I knew we were, we were seeing it through the eyes of what Mandy was seeing. And so that was really neat. But so Jeremiah is going on this long ass drawn out speech. That really didn't make a lot of sense anyway. And and I don't know if it was really, it was all just meant to just say. He was just rambling. I'm just, I am, I am the shit deluxe and. (laughs) And guess what? You have. God's my homeboy. And I have chosen you. Yeah. Uh, you, sh- I've chosen you. You are worthy enough. Lucky you. And it was just kind of, but it was just the most rambly, yeah. nonsensical way to get so, there. So, but then he's like, "Oh, let's like I, I'm special and you're special. Let's be special together." And then he disro. Oh, he He's takes not off his special. He, he takes off his his Ric Flair robe. That thing was like that was something. It was so so cool. He had the Ugh, the best robe, but he's so ostentatious. Yeah. Ew. But he took off his robe and he's fully naked and he's expecting Mandy to just blow herself. Yeah, at him. go at him, and she just starts laughing hysterically. So tell me, as a man. <laughs> What does that do to a man's ego? <laughs> I wrote down, I was like, that, I was like, as big of a bastard as he is, that poor man, like, it is never a fun thing to disrobe in front of somebody and then them just laugh at you. <laughs> like, like you're at a Rodney Dangerfield show. It's just like, oh no, my God. Like, no respect. No. But it's like, but the thing with that scene that kills me is like she's doing this maniacal laugh at him. She's clearly still tripping balls like crazy, but he like does this angry masturbation in front of her. Like he's losing his stiffy and he's not happy about it. He's pissed that she's obviously. I mean, I would be angry if someone laughed at me and they saw me naked too. But like he's masturbating at her like some chimp at a zoo. I didn't see him masturbating. He was, was totally yeah. Because I, I saw that like because he was screaming at the rest of his uh, his his cult. No, when to... he was screaming at Mandy while she was laughing at him, like he was yelling at her to fall in line or something. Yeah. And like he's just beaten off in front of her, and I'm looking, I'm watching this, I'm like, really? So we're gonna go this route, okay? Yeah. It's like the angriest masturbation scene I've ever seen. Yeah. So I mean, but <laughs> when you have this man that's like, I am holier than thou, and I am. A, pretty much like the the right hand of god at this point and it's and then all of a sudden you get this woman that you think is had this spiritual connection and and you think that she's going to throw herself like it did not pan out the way you that can, he was expecting you can tell he yeah. must have worked up this fantasy in his mind where oh, yeah. he was going to be cuz it was such a like it was such a narcissistic way. It's like bask in my glorious beautifulness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When he takes the robe off and she just glorious. starts it was some yeah. I won't give in, I won't give in <laughs> till I'm victorious. <laughs> just, and I will defend, I just, will defend. And she just starts laughing at him and it's just like I don't think he worked that into his plans. Like it never dawned on him he's such an egomaniac that it never dawned on him that somebody might not want him. Yeah. But um, we're gonna have to hit the, we're gonna hit the pause button real quick before we get into the next scene. Yeah. Um, just a quick pause for the cause, and we shall return in just a minute. All right, guys, and we're back. 
Yeah. So now, once we get into after the angry masturbation and the yes. hysterical laughing, uh, LSD induced scene, um, we end up getting into seeing Red, and he is tied up with barbed wire. They didn't just tie him up. They they bound and gagged him with barbed wire um, around the wrist. He's bar- bound around the wrist to a fence, and then he's got barbed wire in his mouth, and there's a bonfire going in front of him, and the children of the New Dawn are kind of just hanging out like they're just going to toast marshmallows and have a beer. Um, and Jeremiah comes out, and he's put on pants, thankfully. Um, there's this whole thing with Lucy and uh, Russian roulette with a revolver, and he's like, this is this just to prove to Red that how devoted his followers are to her. He makes Lucy pull the trigger because there's one bullet in the chamber. And thankfully, she gets the dead spot. But, like, he's making it a point to be like, look how powerful I am. Look how much control I have. And then um, he has one of his other followers bring Red's wife out in a burlap sack, ties her up over an A-frame. And oh, then- no. He slams her to the floor. Like, so he... He has her, and then, like a sack of potatoes, just slams it down. And I was like, "That that's pretty rough. And then ties it up over the A-frame, and then, like, and then uh, right over the flames, and... Gasoline. And they, they cook her. Well, can you... I can't imagine being in Red's head in that moment, because it's like, I don't know you. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what the point is of you guys being here. Like... To be targeted for literally no reason. There was no, like, they, they didn't know him. They didn't owe him money. Like, there's no reason for Jeremiah and his cult to even be there. So Red's just watching this man he doesn't know set his wife on fire. And Nicolas Cage did amazing in this scene because you could he's he's screaming. You can see the barbed wire is digging into his cheeks. He's crying. He has no pants on because he was in bed. Yeah. He got dragged out. Um, he's in his underwear. Um, and he's watching this whole thing. And so they, the cult sticks around for a few minutes. And then when Mandy stops moving, they take off. And they leave. And they leave Red just bound up to this fence until almost morning. And when um, he manages to get himself out, and then he, that's when the revenge escapade starts. And like, well, I want to, I want to talk about that scene. So it's like he, he slips out of the barbed wire, and then he goes over to the the charred remains, and Ugh. and he, I was like, that I almost, is, I almost didn't want to talk about it because it was so heartbreaking. Yeah, that was that was pretty rough. But on top of that, so right after that though, he kind of he gets up and he goes back inside his house and he's looking at it and just kind of looking around and that's where you see him like he's in this tiger shirt with just whitey tighties and his long socks um and he's just kind of at this loss of like what the hell just happened that wasn't real he's just stumbling around stumbling around the house he's, he's bleeding from his wrist bleeding from his mouth and and he's just kind of walking around but then he walks into the into the room, and the TV's on, and one of the best, most iconic things in this film that is so out of place and is something that I think if I just watch my wife burn to death, 
Meg, if I just watched you burn to death, I would not want to walk in to this room and see this commercial. What? You wouldn't want to watch a uh, macaroni and cheese commercial with Cheesy the Goblin in it? <laughs> the Cheese Goblin. All right, so it's this little goblin creature. There's these kids that are sitting at the table, and it's the total cheesy, like, hey, yeah, mom, like, oh, we're skin mac and cheese. The goblin comes out, and it starts throwing up the macaroni and cheese all over these kids. And then, like, the goblin just looks creepy as hell. But you can just see on Red's face that he's either just intri- in- intrigued by what he's seeing and, and then equally as annoyed because – that's like the last thing that he needs to see after he just watched his wife, you know, get get murdered. Um and then he ends up going into the bathroom. Uh I guess he had like a hidden bottle of vodka in there and he just goes into this screaming fit where he's downing the bottle of vodka and then dousing all of his um all of his wounds in vodka. Uh and he's just you could just feel the pain just pouring out of this man and it's such a crazy little moment again it's nick nick cage didn't have to say anything he just you know poured his heart out and just screamed for for mandy and that was uh that was a really cool thing and then after that uh, he kind of cuts to him going to this uh, trailer and it's I, I'm assuming it was somebody that he knew. I don't know how he knew this person, um, but his name is uh, Duke. Yeah, he kind of Duke comes out of nowhere. There's no lead up to it. Where we don't have the like he wasn't in a, at the beginning of the movie. There's a scene where Red's on the job. Duke's not in the background oh, or anything. I'm sorry. His his name the actor's name is Bill Duke, and he if you uh, don't know that name. He's one of the guys in uh, Predator. He's the guy that shaves. And he's just shaving all the time. But that's, I guess, random tidbit. But, like, you don't see him in the background anywhere. He's not interacting with Red on the job site at the beginning of the movie. Like, he just... We just have to buy into the fact that they've known each other for several years. And, like, it just comes so out of the blue. Just random man living in a... Like, living in an RV. Yeah. But okay. um, so when he when Red shows up, he knocks on Duke's door, and when or well, we're, I'm calling him Duke. I, I actually I forget his oh, name. Oh, I know his name. You got it. Okay. Yeah, um, but uh, so Red is there to get the Reaper, which is a crossbow. His name's Carruthers. Carruthers. Okay. So he shows up to Carruthers and he's asking for the Reaper, and. So he's like, oh, it's, it's over there in the corner, and it's, like, underneath the, the mattress. And so he gets it, and then he's like, oh, well, uh, so, so what are you – the best line in the movie, by the way, is, so what, <laughs> what are you hunting? Nick Cage goes, Jesus freaks. And he goes, oh, I didn't know they were in season. I was like, I popped so <laughs> hard because you could tell that, you know, Carruthers – knew something was up. Red wouldn't have been there if something wasn't up. But that gives me so many questions as to, like, what was Red before... Like, the movie I want to see is, what was Red before he met me? Yeah. Because he he has a crossbow called the Reaper. He has a friend who clearly plays around with 
building weapons. Like, he had these specialized arrows that could pierce through bone. And, like, so there's that stuff. And then, after Red has his moment in Carruthers' RV, which, P.S., that's the only time we ever see Carruthers is in this one scene. He's there for five minutes, done. Never seen or heard from again the rest of the movie. And then we get to where somehow Red has all this time to... He's a metalsmith, and he can make his own battle axe? Like, yeah. he has a mold for a battle axe, and he's, like, melt. This is He's a lumberjack, or so we're led to believe, but he also has these, like, metalsmithing skills where he can melt down iron and various yeah, alloys it, it and, never, like, like, and, like, pour it into this mold, yeah. and he can. he's good with an anvil, he's good with a hammer. Like, he manages to whack out and polish this gorgeous... Like, Klingon battle axe. Yeah. And I'm like, the fuck skill? Where did you get those? Yeah, that was that was really just kind of thrown like, it oh, at okay. you. oh, okay. Yeah. So what does he, like, build swords for a hobby or what? Yeah. We're not um, led to believe he is good at any of this, by the way. It just happens. Yeah. So, uh, nice little fun fact. Uh, fun fact number two in the Lunchbox Bone Fact. That battle axe that he makes... It's a mix of a axe and a sword. Yeah, an axe, an axe, spear, and sword. Yeah, because there's a blade on. There's a blade on. There's a heavier blade on the bottom. There's a smaller blade on the top, and then there's a a knight, a blade, um, more pointy blade on the end of it, like a knife. Yes. Now, the fun fact is that the actual design for that, the axe, is actually the F. That's in the logo for the Celtic Frost. So the band Celtic Frost, if you look at their logo, that's the shape of the axe. So, I mean, that's great. That's I, I, th- I thought a that was fun really cool. little. I mean, if you're yeah. into metal, it's a cool little tidbit. Yeah. But that's what I want is I want to know Red's story before he met Mandy and yeah. he like settled down and became a husband and breadwinner and all that stuff because like. He seems to have this particular set of skills. Yeah, he really goes John Wick and just... I'm just going to start owning people left but, and right. I mean, he but, has he has a more legitimate reason to go yeah. John Wick, more so than John Wick did. Like, <laughs> it wasn't his dog that got killed. It was his wife. Yeah. But, like, that's, that's the movie I want to see. I was like, I want to see the guy that can make his own weapons. I want to see the guy that's good with an... With, um, Good, not only good with an axe because he's lumberjack, duh, yeah. but he's also good with a crossbow and assorted other various things. And like, he goes straight up badass at the end of the movie. And like, he can fight. I mean, granted, he does have his ass handed to him, but when you're dealing with like junkies that are high on LSD, angel dust, and God knows what else, they've got like chimpanzee strength, gorilla strength, but like. He knows what he's doing, and he can kind of handle his own. So there's so many questions there. I'm like, can I see that movie? Because that's yeah. way more interesting than this one. Yeah. So there was um, – so after he makes the, the battle axe, he ends up going hunting. And he gets in his car, and he's actually hunting the, the black skull. And he's kind of picking them off one by one. Uh, the first one is the crazy spiked um, – uh, gang member where he's got all the, the big spikes all over his body and uh, Red hits him with the crossbow and knocks him off of his bike and then Red's in his car and he's hauling ass 
and he ends up hit like running over the guy. But then Red's car flips over in the air at this incredible height and speed, and it doesn't. I, I feel like if you would have hit this guy, you would have just hit the guy, not caused this giant. No, it was flip. like it was like he hit a tree stump going full speed in the middle of the road, and he flips his tr- car. And I'm just sitting there the whole time, like you dumbass like that is not how you get things like that's not how you're gonna get your shit done you're not gonna do well when you're upside down in your car hopefully you're not dead because then your whole revenge motive is done he ended up killing the killing spike i'm gonna call him spike um but then he ends up knocked out and the rest of the the black skull game captures him and takes him to their uh hideout shitty little shack and that's when you see he is, uh, he's tied up to a, a, a pole, and then he's also nailed. His other hand is nailed to the floor. I was like, that's pretty, pretty gangster. But then, how badass uh, and they took Red his is, shoes. Yeah, they took his shoes for some reason. Um, well, that was so that they they probably thought that if they took his shoes, he wouldn't be able to run out into the woods. But I mean, I don't know. Um, but then, but Red realizes that the pole that his uh, uh, right hand is chained up to is actually loose, and he can kind of work it so that it can uh, unscrew, and then he can get get out. But then um, the lanky uh, biker uh, gang member comes up, and they start fighting, and he's like kicking. I'm I'm assuming it's a female, but he's kicking her, and well, she it was. Pretty feminine. Yeah, and but and and so the the gang members just beating the shit out of him, and he's kind of laughing, and then he ends up getting the pole off, and then you know starts beating the shit out of the, and and throws him down this like giant hole. I don't understand. I don't understand because if you look at the rest of the plays, it looks just like a little crack shack in the middle of the woods. But But he's like, it's he. It looks like a scene out of Saw. Yeah, like he's attached to what looks like a, a drainage uh, pipe for a bathroom, like a sewage pipe. And then there's an opening in the middle of the room, and he's sitting on this metal lattice floor, and, like, it's a chute to nowhere. Yeah. So it's this crack shack with this random room attached to it that has no bottom. Yeah. And, like, and then when he... Because when he gets up and he walks out, like... There's a living room, and there's a kitchen, and it's just... I'm like, where the fuck are you? Yeah. But then, so Red gets a, gets away, and, or he, get, or he t- takes off that, uh, that gang member. And he walks into the room, and that's when he sees uh, Peckerblade. And Peckerblade's watching porn and doing a whole bunch of coke, and, um, and then they start fighting. But then there's one of the coolest... so, so much cocaine on that coffee table. Yeah. It was Scarface level, like mound of coke. Yeah. So Red, uh, you know, makes a big warriors yell, and they they he tackles them and start, they start fighting. His heavy metal battle cry. Yeah. But then uh, uh, Pecker Blades, Pecker gets stuck in the into the floor, and then Red slits his throat while he's over, like on top of Red. And all the blood is just pouring out onto Red's it, face. It was pretty metal. I was like, oh, my God. But Red is, like, laughing and, and, like, having a good time. I was like, oh, my God, that is so epic. Yeah, that was – but that was 
he was still sober when he did that stuff. Yes. All of a sudden, he goes, oh, there's a bro- piece of, there's a hunk of broken glass, like a palm-sized hunk of broken glass. He just scoops up and stuffs this cocaine up his nose. And then he's, um, he takes out one of the other biker gang, wanders over to the kitchen, finds a jar of LSD, dips his finger in it, does like a fingertips full hit of this acid. It's like if you like went like, to go like test like hot sauce. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to just take a little bit. And then all of a sudden, boom. And it's yeah. like. And so he is blitzed out of his mind. And that's when he starts. This He hasn't even gotten to the cult leader yet. He's just taken out the biker gang. So he goes off and he finds the chemist who's creating all these drugs. Yeah. And in it, his LSD trip, you see this. And I had to like look back at it eh. because I don't know how he found the chemist. But there's a, a radio tower in the hallucination, and that's where the chemist was. So he was kind of being guided in that kind of weird spiritual way. I suppose. Way, I've, I've never taken any psychotropic drugs. I've known plenty of people that have. And um, there are lots of very small religions across the face of the planet that will use psychotropic drugs to sort of open their minds up and allow for what they're considering a spiritual journey. And so this must have been uh, Cosmato's play on that sort yeah. of um, thought process. Is it's like, and, and I've been told that by friends of mine that have taken hallucinogens and psychotropic drugs. They say that it it is mind-altering, but it does open things up. And so you, there's like a wash of creativity that happens. You feel like you've had like a spiritual moment. Like there are things that do happen because the brain is such a strange organ that we still don't quite understand very well. So there's layers of things that happen in the brain that outside of basic function, we just don't understand yet. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of that. But one of the notes I put down here was like, there is nothing better than watching a drugged out, coked out, LSD'd out, bloody battle axe carrying crossbow swinging motherfucking Nicolas Cage like I was like this is awesome like this is a metal album cover right there like that is so badass I had uh texted John towards the end of the movie and uh I had said that to him I was like coked out crazy cage he's like nah it's just him on a Tuesday (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh my god this is so epic so he ends up getting to the chemist and this was another scene that was uh, kind of weird. But then as I uh, kind of pieced it together and, and tried to understand it a little bit, it made a little bit more sense as to what was going on. So let me I'm, let me break I'm, this. I'm glad it worked for you. Let me break this down for you here, Hotshot. Um, so the chemist. Hotshot? The fuck? <laughs> would you prefer Chief or Chumpies? Chumpies? I don't know. I'm throwing words out because you you're didn't like make, Hotshot. You're just making shit up. I like Hotshot. All right. Can I get into my chemist story here? All right. Talk to me, Goose. Thanks. Jeez, Goose. I like that movie. It's okay. <laughs> um, um, so anyways, so the chemist, you see him from the back, and the chemist is actually played by uh, Richard Blake. He is... Um, probably the, the most recent, like he's been in a bunch of stuff, but the most recent is, um, Rob Zombie's, uh, 31. He's the guy, the, the killer that keeps punching himself in the face. Um, he's like, he just looks crazy. Like he's awesome. Um, but you see him 
and you see, he's got his back turned to the opening, and he has this feeling that, oh, somebody's here. Well, the camera pans down on top of him, and you see him messing with, uh, like, a, a chemical, which is... Uh, and But you see, it, like, his hands inside the water. He's making blotter. And his hands are not gloved, and he's just dipping his hands in pure LSD. So he's got to be high as a kite. Yeah. And, I mean, in space. Well, you can very, you, like, I mean, you very clearly tell he is not on planet Earth. Yeah. Because he's talking about a tiger in a cage. And when he says, oh, the tiger's calm, that means everything is fine. When he's having this showdown with um, Red. Red's not looking around. I mean, granted, they're both just, they're gone. Yeah. They're gonzo. But, like, <clears throat> Red doesn't even notice. And I think that the tiger we see walking away is well, more metaphorical well, than yeah, real. No, here, here, let's set this up. Okay, so he turns around. The chemist isn't even, ta- like, he's talking to Red. But he's having, like, this telepathic, like, conversation. Oh, yeah, it's all one-sided. It's all one- Like, Red's not saying a word. And he's getting this whole, like, conversation between the two of them. And Without the, Red ever speaking and, once. And yeah. he tells Red that, oh, like, do you see it? And Red looks down and he sees, like, all these, like, snakes and worms all over the floor. Um, and, which is clearly his hallucination. But then the chemist looks over and he see, you see this tiger in a cage. And all the part of me was like, yeah, I could see a, a, a you know some crazed drug chemist like buying a tiger because you know just uh, you know on a Tuesday type of you know uh, you know what I'm gonna buy me a tiger and I'm gonna call him Tony you know it's, <laughs> it's just something stupid but uh, it was the more I looked into it it was a very big uh, metaphor for Red because in the scene where he's in the bathroom he's wearing a tiger t-shirt. he's wearing a tiger t-shirt. Um, so, and the tiger gets unleashed, and that's when Red is going to go after the, the cult. And that's, that's why I said that the tiger wasn't real. I don't think the tiger was at all no. real. But when the, the chemist had made the observation that the tiger is calm, um, and that's, uh, instead of being, like, riled up that Red was there... He, he he kept just it seemed to be more describing like Red's current demeanor because prior to meeting up with Carruthers is he was distraught and he was a little wild and all over the place and then sort of like while he was making his own battle axe he kind of became a little bit more centered and a little more grounded and um, so if Red's the tiger like that was definitely a pretty fair metaphor for what was going on because yeah. now because you're more, I think what ends up happening is you're the calmer and more centered and focused you are, the more deadly you're going to be because you're less likely to make mistakes. Yeah. And you're more, mo- you're less likely to get hurt yourself. Yeah. So, so after that, like you never really see if red, I think red just was like, hey, where are these guys just to find out where they are. Um, and so that's where I think he went to the chemist, but then, uh, uh, you know, once he actually he finds the compound. Well, the chemist wasn't directly. The chemist wasn't there. Like he wasn't with the cult when they were. Yeah. Ki- torturing and killing Mandy. So yeah. I don't. So chances are good that he may have yeah. just spared the chemist's life because he wasn't directly involved with his wife's death. Yeah. So, um, but then he ends up finding the compound for the the cult, and um, he ends up 
coming across uh, Lucy and Brother Swan in the van, and he takes him out of the van and then shoves the the back end of the, the battle axe into Brother Swan's face and pins him to a tree, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, well, he, he leaves up, him there until he bleeds out. Yes, and then he ends up uh, letting Lucy go because she, he, he can see that she's a prisoner of sorts. and She's not a prisoner. She wants to be there. But she wasn't, again, she wasn't directly involved in his wife's death. So, and because of how Jeremiah treated her in front of Red when he was chained up to that fence. Yeah, like, he, he, he knew. He knew that yeah. she was just a bystander. So, but then he ends up, he gets to the, the main part of the compound, and one of the uh, rednecky uh, henchmen, I'm going to call him, he's waxing a car, and then he ends up getting an axe right in the, like, <laughs> Red throws that thing, like he's, you know, axe throwing contest, sticks it right in his melon, and... <laughs> guy falls over yeah he just starts he just starts picking him off one by one as he sees them eventually making his way up to jeremiah oh don't get ahead of yourself there little sister you're missing the best part of the whole goddamn movie and i'm gonna say it in two words chainsaw fight that was the best part of the damn scene. It was like a fencing match with chainsaws. That's the best way I can describe it is because they were sword fighting with a fucking chainsaws. So, okay. And one so of Red- the, and Red had one <laughs> and then the cult guy had a longer one. And oh my god. It, I yeah. was like, hey Red, your, his is bigger than yours. Yeah. So, and like, then Red couldn't he, rev it up. <laughs> and the other it guy was he- a total dick joke. <laughs> but it was really, but it really paid off because it was so intense just seeing them st- sword fight with chainsaws and all it was one big dick joke yeah but it's <laughs> it was still awesome but because then uh red loses his chainsaw and then ends up finding a chain and he grabs the chain and, and throws it around the guy's neck and pulls him down and he lands right on the chainsaw and then like starts to and basically cut himself in half i was like that is epic like that's painful. so cool so uh, that was really neat. And then Red gets inside the compound and he runs into Mother Marlene, who is the uh, older woman of the group. But it turns out that she is, uh, Jeremiah has said that she is the most sensual and pleasurable lover that he has ever had. She's an older woman. She's got lots of experience. Yeah. And it's, uh, so she's trying to seduce Red. And Red's just like he's covered in blood, and he's just look like no. look, looking right into just her. No. And you can just tell it's like I'm gonna fuck your world up. <laughs> it's like this is it's, it's well, so good. Up until this point, he had been he. I mean, he didn't hurt Lucy. He avoided the other woman in the group, but Mother Marlene was culpable, so she was going down, and like she was trying to keep him from getting to his target. Yeah. So, well, sorry. Yeah, and and so the the scene uh, kind of fades to black, and then it picks right back up, and you can see uh, Jeremiah. He's naked in this almost looked like a like a like a silo almost, or it, it had like this dome. I don't know. Feet. It was like you had to walk down this like extremely long tunnel. And then there's like this big silo kind of dome, and he's naked inside it. For some reason. Yeah. Uh, doing some type of uh, ritual kind of chant. And, and then all of a sudden, 
this Marlene's head gets thrown into, gets thrown at Jeremiah. And I was like, so Red cut that bitch's head clean off. I was like, that's pretty epic too. Um, But what kills me in this scene (laughs) is that like, Red has Jeremiah on his knees. He's got Jeremiah at his mercy. And the whole time, that fucking idiot is looking up at Red, blathering on about how he's the better man, about how he's so powerful, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like... Well, no, it's, it's hilarious because he's going back and forth with... Like it's in this uh, kind of like not this is a lot of paraphrasing paraphrasing but it's a lot of oh please don't please don't please don't please don't please don't you're not worthy of me I'm greater than you and it's just and it's like dude pick a lane but it's just he just cut this bitch's head off what do you think he's gonna do to you but like that's the whole issue I have with with that is he's on his knees Red has him he's got him by the hair and like. And he's just sitting there the whole time, and he's still going on about how he's the better man of the two. And I'm just looking at him like, nah, dude. Yeah. Oh, and then there's, like, a, you, there's where, the whole part. Where do you get off? He can't even defend himself. He's not even capable of defending himself in any way whatsoever. Yeah. He and tries he's to, still acting he like tries that. To, he tries to beg, and then he... And then he tries to big man him. And then he big mans him. And then he tries to barter with him and and persuade him to... Let him go so that he can show Red all the sights and and all the glories no, that, that God Red, has seen. Red's not interested. No, and then so Red ends up digging his nails into Jeremiah's skin, like he's got like so he's got Jeremiah on his knees, and he's got both ha- hands on this other either side of his head, and he's got his nails digging into his skin, and he's slowly crushing Jeremiah's skull. Like I'm a convinced. Coke can. I was like, "That's oh I'm my con- god!" I'm convinced that the pile of powder on the table was bath salts, not cocaine. Oh my god, that was. That's the only way I can describe the reason why yeah. bread could barehandedly crush Jeremiah's yeah. skull. Um, one other thing too that it was, a br- it was pretty brutal. Yeah, though. that that was pretty epic. So that was that was pretty much the the front to back on this thing. But um, one thing that we didn't mention that kind of kept popping up, and I. A little part of me is like, I'm going to have to rewatch these scenes to kind of see if there's something that I missed. But there's a lot of, um, like, cartoon cutscenes yeah, of, these, um, it, of Mandy. After Mandy had died. And they, I, I would chalk them up to being a red hallucination if they weren't spliced in prior to him doing drugs. Yeah. But I, I feel like there's a... Uh, the imagery is something where it's it's gonna lead you up to. But Mandy would pop up is. after. But Mandy would pop up after every major kill, and that's when those little. It was only like a minute or two, of this animation would pop up as after after there was like a major, kill. Like she would pop up in in a scene that was had something to do. That's why this movie make no. It's like fucking hate the way this was cut, because it's too fucking. It had the first half of the movie had nothing to do with any of that. That. All those little animations came literally in the last half hour of the movie. Yeah. It, it, they were spliced in for some oddball reason. Like, it and didn't that's make where it's sense like, I wanna, to do that. Yeah, but it's like, that's where it's like, okay, I'm going to have to rewatch those scenes to see if there was something that I didn't miss. But then at They're the just, end... They just didn't need to be there. No. Then at the end, Red ends up... Um, he ends up getting in the car that the redneck was waxing, and he just drives off... And you can see where he's having a vision of 
what looks like the first time that he meets Mandy. At, at, like it looks like a, at a club or a bar. And then he sees her in the passenger seat of the car. Yeah, and that's where I uh, was. That were my tidbit for the those cartoon animations. Where uh, it's like Mandy was guiding him in some shape or form, and then that's where it's like with her being in the the passenger seat. It was kind of like, kind of like saying telling Red that they're okay or um, that it's done and they're they're moving on you know, moving down the road, kind of going into the sunset. But the great thing is, so it shows them at the bar when they first meet and you see her in the passenger seat and they're all clean. Red's all clean. And then goes back to her and she's just kind of looking at him, kind of smiling, not really. It's just kind of like, okay. And then it goes back to red and he's just coat. Like you just see him, like he's all battle. He's got all the blood on him and his eyes look crazy and he's smiling, and it's like full. Is that a smile? Crazy though? cage. I'm like, that is a man that is beyond. Like, there's no coming back from any of this. And it's like that's he's gone. yeah. But I was like, oh my god! Like, I'm gonna post that picture on our Instagram because it makes me smile so much. Like, I love that. It was the best end for the for the movie. And then like they drive off, and you can see the planets. Um, that was kind of a. Um, tidbit back to that first conversation that they had um, but it was still very like okay great like this is very 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 trippy so yeah but there the inconsistencies and in some of the choices that were made made it really frustrating to watch the animations being one of the examples where it's like they had no they didn't come up anywhere else in the movie except for that last like maybe 30 minutes of the movie and i'm just like it was jarring to watch because you're in this flow and then all of a sudden it cuts into this animation for a minute and then it cuts back into the movie and then it would just it happened like three or four times and it didn't need to happen like if you wanted it to be where like something needed to have been set up closer to the beginning of the movie for that to have worked it didn't work yeah well uh the only other comparison or movie that i can compare this to would be natural born killers because they had a lot of that too where they would splice in some uh you know cartoon um bits and pieces or they would uh you know uh jolt back into different ways of filming or it was kind of a but this was more of an art house that was made again natural born killers i think executed it way better than what mandy did but mandy i could see it the what they were trying to do was it, they were trying to be super art house with it and that's where it, it it was it because of all the extra bits that they threw in that it was one of those like well you got to figure this out and then that's where it was without any explanation of uh character backstories or any of that and it's just there's in a lot of other situations i could take a straight line a to b movie and it's fine like i don't necessarily i while i like getting backstories and a lot of the why as to why the characters behave in the ways that they do like i don't i don't i don't have to have it necessarily to enjoy a movie the problem with this is that um, I had mentioned the inconsistencies. It was very erratic. Um, it didn't 
and this again this is why I just I don't do art house because I'm just like fuck you guys you are so full of yourselves but the 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 way it was edited and the way everything was put together it just it didn't work it didn't work for me as a whole it lost me a lot throughout the movie and like I know that a lot of people really love this movie and it's got pretty high marks on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes and whatever other platforms but it I think it's a four out of five skull on Shutter. But I'm just like, it It didn't, the finished product didn't work for me. Like if someone handed this to me in book form, like the script to me in book form, I would have probably loved it. But Panos Cosmatos, you could suck a fat one because you did a really piss poor job at this. Like you did a very bad job. And if it was anybody else playing Red besides Nicolas Cage, this movie would have been a dud. Total stinker. Hmm. So what are you giving it? Uh, sorry, John. Uh, one and a half out of five skulls. And the extra half skull is because Nicolas Cage did such a great job in his role. Like, you could tell he enjoyed it. He nailed it. He, The revenge tear at the end was perfect. But the script got fucked up in the final execution. And that makes me sad because I think revenge movies can be some of the most fun to watch and some of the best horror movies to watch because it's a, the person on the tear usually has nothing to lose. So they're just going for it. And, um, yeah, it was just not, not great. Not, not great at all. The biker gang didn't need to be there at all the drug element was kind of cool I guess but it was kind of it felt to me like how can we take something that already exists and then it's like a little it's like if a middle schooler was making up drugs is how it felt to me it's like we're gonna put it and we're gonna have like this really trippy hallucinant drug and we're gonna you know how it's gonna be delivered it's not gonna be a needle you don't put it up your nose no 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 Hornet sting. We're going to make you trip balls with a hornet sting. What? <laughs> like, that, that's okay. Uh, no. No. And not being able to see, like, as use, as the unnecessary as the biker gang was, they were probably made to look really cool. Couldn't see any of the detail because the way the movie was lit. Bullshit. So, I don't know. I'm good. Sorry, John. I know you love the movie, but I think it's fucking garbage. You? Wow. That was a that was a mouthful. You were salty tonight. I'm not in a good mood. I'm not feeling well. Oh, my God. You were salty. But I didn't like the movie even oh. when we watched it, so. Yikes. Not- I'm going to give it a five out of five. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I'm going to give it a two. Mine was a, was a two out of five skull just because it... It really took a long time to get to the parts that really amped up. And then once you got to those parts... Just get to the point already! Yeah, it's like, <laughs> once you get to those parts, it's... Um, I mean, Nick Cage, If yeah, like as you said, if Nick Cage did not execute his, this, you know, red, uh, you know, as well as he did, 
it, it would uh, it would have just fallen flat on, on its face. And um, I mean, there were aspects of it because I understood that it was an art house film. What they were executing, it I I did think that it was a very beautiful film. There were times where it's like, yeah, I wish I could have seen more detail out of the film. Um, and then on top of that, once you got into uh, well, the big part of the movie for me was when Red started going batshit crazy and going on his hunting. Um, like, that's when the, the movie really sold it for me. But a lot of the, the kill scenes were neat, but it felt quick to a degree. Um, Which can be unsatisfying when they happen too fast. And, and he, he did a lot of killing. It was just a... But there was some where... I, I mean, I, I'm not taking it away. Like, the the back half of the movie is... I mean, I could just tell someone, hey, yo, go watch Mandy. Yeah, but it's, watch it's great. Mandy after Watch the, half of the movie. After the first hour. Yeah, you don't need the first hour. It's like, you, you could just tell the person, okay, this gang shows up, takes this girl, you know, t- you know, kind of Nicholas Cage's Nicholas yeah. Cage's wife gets killed by a cult. Go, and then you can watch it. And then the you can watch the, the second half and as a short. And, and, and you're not going to miss yeah. anything. No, it's, you're really yeah. not. There's nothing happening in the first half of the movie. So, but that's where I'm. I'm giving it a two out of five. I, I'm giving Nick Cage though a, a four out of five. Like Nick on his own. He was awesome. Like, probably one of the, the coolest... So cagey. Probably one of the coolest uh, characters I've seen him play in a very long time. So, uh, for, for Nick Cage... And this is uh, coming off of, like, Ghost Rider and, you know, all those... Some of these uh, stinkers that he kind of came into. I mean, like... Uh, uh, when you need na- the money, National Treasure, you know, was, was great. I mean, it, it held its own. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you could... There wasn't really any... Like, he kind of became, like, a little bit of a joke to a degree. Um, and almost like Keanu Reeves. And then he ended up getting, like, this awesome part that just, boom, put him back into this... And it was out of no, kind of out of nowhere, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, Nick Cage is fantastic. And I do recommend seeing this movie at least once. I probably will never watch this movie again... Because I know that I don't have that much time to waste. And if I'm going to waste my time, I'll probably go and do something else. You'll probably but watch Jaws again. Probably. Maybe. <laughs> um, so, but there, that's just, that, again, it's, a, I've seen a lot of reviews where it is a love it or hate it. And there's a lot of people that are in the same boat as us that it's like, it took way too long to get to the, the big crescendo. And when that crescendo hit, it felt really quick. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's, and then there's a lot of stuff that didn't really make a whole lot of sense as far as, uh, like, okay, yeah, how did he learn how to make a cool ass battle axe? Mm-hmm. You know, was it, like, there's nothing that, that, uh, for his friend, uh, you know, in for the brothers. trailer, yeah. yeah, like, there's no backstory as to how he knew him. There's nothing as to. Yeah, like, if one of, the, in the, in one of those storytelling hours, like, Red goes off about his old Vietnam buddy, Carruthers. Something. And there's nothing. And then that would have made sense for him. But just to have some dude randomly show up in an RV in the middle of the woods, it's kind of like, okay, well, why? Yeah. 
And then and for him to not even close to being phased when, you know, Red says he's going hunting for Jesus freaks. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. Well, and, 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 sure. and uh, Crothers actually knows what he's doing. Like, he knows who he's talking right. about. Right. But why? Yeah. Why does he know about this biker gang? Like, he he'll, he tells Red, it just, there's just so much. And I don't, I'm actually really impressed we managed to make almost an hour and a half out of this because I was really concerned. And I think the only way to do it and was... And you're very salty. And you get really short and quick and you have no patience for any of this. Well, because when I watched something like this, my immediate reaction was, it was terrible. Go find another way to spend two hours. Pretty succinct. But I'm, I mean, the only way we would have done it is the way that you wanted to do it, and that was going through from yeah. beginning to end, because I wouldn't have been able to have a natural conversation about this. No, and and a lot of times, like if you do end up having a conversation with somebody that's seen the movie, it's they always talk about the Nick Cage scenes, where he's just bloody and walking through and just well, cause those, mowing down mofos like a mug. Those Im- yeah, but those images stick. It's just yeah. ugh, but whatever. Um, so I guess that brings us to the end of Mandy. <laughs> Bet you're happy about that. I mean, I'm not upset about it. Yeah, you can go take a shower and just go pass out now and, and take some more, uh, do is, some medicine. These are the podcasts that happen when you have a cold and you just Gosh. don't want to. I'm actually almost life. regretting it now, just because, like, <laughs> oh my god, I could just, I'm. It's like a, a salt lick is sitting next <sighs> to me. Oh my god. It's like uh, I'm in a good mood drinking my dead guy rogue and. I had my Publix peach tea. It's delicious. And salt. I needed it. This stuff is sweet as hell. Hurts my teeth. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, okay, guys. So, real quick. uh, So, our next podcast, we're actually starting up uh, for the month of October. We are going to be doing a themed month. Yeah. This was my idea. I thought it would be really cool. Um, This is going to be our first Halloween month as a podcast. So, I brought it up to Craig as a, a an idea. Why don't we do... There's five Tuesdays in the month of October, so why don't we do a Stephen King month? Yep. Um, we'd already done Salem's Lot. Uh, I think that was episode two. But we haven't decided on the full um, schedule yet, but for the entire month of October, it's going to be Stephen King month around the Creepin' It Real household. Um, I kind of would like to do these once in a while just to sort of help with the movie choices if we feel like we're getting stuck because I think it'd be really yeah, fun. Yeah, I mean, and Stephen King is a, a pretty easy one to go <laughs> we off We could of. have like six Stephen King months. Yeah, we, we really could. But I mean, there's going to be your, like a, a little part of me is like I kind of want to go off the beaten path and seeing what we could dig up. I mean, there's going to be definitely uh, within the, that month some of your easy iconic movies a couple of them are going to be obvious and then maybe there's going to be some that are less obvious but we'll see but i mean if you have any suggestions on like what your favorite stephen king movie is email us at uh creeping it real r-e-e-l dot c-m at gmail.com um or you know find us on instagram and uh facebook at creeping it real and you know just let us know um like we you know want to communicate and it's like if you have a, a suggestion Hit it up. Yep. Anything you want to hear us rate, review, or roast? Stephen King rules. I need that shirt, by the way, from the Monster Squad. Like, oh, I need yeah. that Stephen King rules shirt. <laughs> I really want that shirt. It's so cute. Yeah, but they're only little kids. There's only 10-year-olds. So what? Make a big kid version. They have big kid versions. Okay. Well, fine. We'll see if we can find one. Um, I'll, I'll Amazon it right now. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, yeah. um, get us on the socials. Like, rate, share, subscribe, comment. 
um, the more you do of that on your favorite podcatcher, the greater our reach grows, the more likely people are to find us, and we can't grow our audience without yeah. you guys, our yeah, already and, audience. And let us know how we're doing. I mean, we love to hear. So, I mean, yeah, definitely leave that rate and comment and share, 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 share. Hey, babe. Share. I got you, babe. Sure. <laughs> All right, enough of that. All right. <laughs> So. All right, guys. Until next week, I've been Meg. I've been Lunchbox. And we'll catch you next time.